and welcome again to another edition of Irreligiosophy, where we have been pissing off other podkins since 2009. That is right, um, and I'd like to introduce myself. I am Dr. Chuck Morrison, and yes, with me yes, is Layton. Yes, I am Layman Layton Allred. <laughs> Say that four times fast. <laughs> As a doctor, Layton, uh, I think that uh, we've been pissing off these other podcasts uh, because they're jealous of my doctorness. I would think it's because of raised level of estrogen. Mine or yours? Well, theirs, apparently. They're the ones who are getting pissed off easily. Their estrogen is elevated? Exactly. (laughs) See, they just just can't handle the testosterone-run bodies that we have. Uh, Welcome to Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast. I've been pissing off even ourselves since January of 2009. But most especially our fans. Jesus. Christ. I don't think I've gotten through one podcast without being totally pissed off by you. Well, I do what I can to uh, to help you out. Uh, the real question is, why are we still friends? Oh, I've been asking myself that same question. That's because I spork well, isn't it? Uh, should we get straight to the skunk dicks? I think it's a good idea. All right, the uh, first article for our skunk dick candidates, Pope Benedict. Uh, Ratzinger, um, <clears throat> also known as uh, Pope Pimp Daddy, from his fucking gigantic gold ring he's wearing. Well, you know, he, he worked hard for his money. Pope Ratzinger gives this uh, Christmas address to cardinals and the officials working in Rome. And, uh, of course, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, Leighton, but there's this uh, child molestation scandal going on in the Catholic Church. Huh, this is the first time I've heard of it. Uh, it must not be very widespread. His whole thesis of this was that in the 1970s, you know, child pornography and pedophilia w- was normal. So, wow. In the, I know I was raised on it. Who needed cartoons? I had kitty porn to raise me. In the 1970s, pedophilia was theorized as something fully in conformity with man and even with children, the Pope said. It was maintained, even within the realm of Catholic theology, there is no such thing as evil in itself or good in itself. There's only a better than or worse than. Nothing is good or bad in itself. So uh, he's right. I mean, I grew up in the 70s. I remember reading um, doctoral dissertations all the time about how uh, pedophilia was something uh, completely normal. Yeah, yeah. It was it was accepted in every household. Dads did it to their kids. Uh, moms even shared every once in a while. I can't understand why this could be considered wrong. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jimmy Carter ran on a pro-child molestation platform in 1976. Yeah, yeah. His uh, his his slogan was "More kitty porn, more family togetherness." <laughs> a dick in every hole. It's like the um, chicken in every pot, or you know, car in every garage. Yeah, yeah um, well, very successful. Hole, so, very successful. Um, so, the, by everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the the Pope's right about this. I, I I can't I can't disagree with him on this one. Yeah, this this is probably the perfect defense because I don't think anybody could see a hole in this defense at all. So the Pope's not really the skunk dick. It's this Mister Madden guy um, who's outraged Dublin victim Andrew Madden. He said, that is not normal. I don't know what company the Pope has been keeping for the past 50 years. So, uh... Yeah, boo on you. Mr. Madden, come on. Everybody enjoyed a little kiddie porn during the Carter administration. Right. (laughs) I mean, um, 
fucking children was not. It's a fallacy of presentism where we we look back in time and we judge the 70s by our standards today. You know, bell bottoms are out, the big necklaces are out, the afros are out, kitty porn, child molestations out. You can't do that just because we think it's not good today. We we can't say that it's, it wasn't yeah. good in the 70s. Yeah, don't force your moral views on the hippie star children of yesteryear. I'm sorry, right. you're, you're killing our our lovely childhood memories. So that's uh, skunk dick candidate number one, Andrew. Uh, what was his name? Madden for uh, failing to heed the Pope. Yeah, listen in. The Pope is absolutely right. Kitty porn for everybody. Let's bring back kitty porn. That should be a new policy around. That's right. Uh, next. Well, I say next we do church oust nun who okayed abortion to save woman. Oh, what a surprise. It's the Catholic Church again who is at the forefront of morality. Yeah, um, so the, the setup for this one is that apparently a 27-year-old woman who was 11 weeks pregnant within the first trimester uh, had a serious heart condition. Doctors had said that she faced near certain death had she continued her pregnancy. Um, at this hospital in Phoenix, they decided it was a Catholic hospital, I guess. And this, here you go. This, this is uh, one of the reasons I think that that we really ought to mix religion and hospitals. Yes. She, uh, the the nun, who's an administrator of the hospital, signed off on the procedure, this abortion, to save the life of the mother. The the um, woman didn't have any complications from the abortion. But McBride was excommunicated for saving this woman's life by Bishop Thomas J. Olmsted. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, it's actually Reverend John Erich that I love his statement. There are some situations where the mother may in fact die along with her child. But, and this is the Catholic perspective, you can't do evil to bring about good. The end does not justify the means. <laughs> This guy that you just quoted was the medical ethics director for the Diocese of Phoenix. Medical ethics director, and the guy doesn't know simple math. Let's see. Should we save one life, or should we kill two people? Should we allow two people to die, or should we save one of them? Well, one, two, see. one, two, one. Evil, good. Uh, yeah, uh, evil must be in saving the one. Good must be in both of them dying. Yeah, listen. Apparently it's okay for God to kill the fucking whole populace of the planet, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Sending the global flood. But apparently, you know, the end does not justify the means. Jesus Christ, even the New Testament, he killed that one dude who didn't, who lied about his tithing. Bam, killed him. Yeah, oh, that seems like a heinous enough crime to lose your life lying about <laughs> tithing. Yeah, You can't thanks, do God. evil to bring about good. Except if you're God, then you can just fucking kill everybody. Yeah, if you're God, fuck everybody. You're just going to have yourself some fun. Let me put it this way also. God is the biggest aborter of them all. About a third of pregnancies spontaneously miscarry for whatever reason. So God is sitting up there fucking zapping all these uh, embryos and uh, destroying all of them, aborting uh, one out of three uh, of conceptions, products of conception. So, if you want to talk to anybody, you want to excommunicate anybody, excommunicate God. He's the biggest fucking uh, child murderer uh, who's ever lived. Well, or personally, not, not, I who's think ever... he's doing it for moral reasons. He's looking at the parents, considering their portion of life, and deciding whether or not they would make good parents, which is why he aborts them. Don't question God. 
My favorite quote of the article comes from Reverend Thomas Doyle, who's an attorney. Uh, he said that the bishop, quote, clearly had other alternatives than to declare her excommunicated. Uh, he should have shown her some mercy, given the agonizing moral dilemma, right? No no, no uh, quarters given for this lady. Oh, I'm sorry, you okayed an abortion? Fuck you. You're out of here. Excommunicated. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you got to love his next quote, wherein he points out, in the case of priests who are credibly accused and known to be guilty of sexually abusing children, they are, in a sense, let off the hook. So even this guy, the canon lawyer... Uh, for these people is stating okay this is fucked up we're letting child molesters go but we're excommunicating people who are helping save lives right so let's um let's go back to the tally child molestation hush up move the guy to a, a fresh province where he can molest uh fresh victims and no one knows about it uh-huh. hide it from the police on the one hand and on the other hand, save a life, exca fucking communicated. You get bitch. the fuck out of here. Gives you the you right whore. to act like God. <laughs> I wonder too if this patriarchal society built up in this church has anything to do with it, right? Um, the you know this this man child molester. Well, let's protect him and let's not defrock him. Let's not turn him over to the police. A woman, holy shit, you're out of here. We can't have women making decisions in this world. <laughs> a woman signed off on that? Oh, that's it. Stomp on her quickly. Let's put an end <laughs> to this woman thinking. Good Lord. Good Lord. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't excommunicate the person who put a woman uh, in charge of the hospital administration in the first place. Well, it was probably a man, so they allowed that one to stop. <laughs> so that skunk dick candidate number two... Bishop Thomas J. Olmsted. How about this one? The next person who says happy holidays shall be punched in the throat. Yeah, this is by Ronald Williams, apparently, who is a blogger. Uh, he He's angry at um, people who say happy holidays. Yeah, and, and why would he be angry at that? Oh, wait, because we aren't paying attention to the true reason and meaning of this holiday. I've just about had enough of the minimization of Christmas. Yeah, it's minimized, all right. It starts in fucking mid-October and goes through the first fucking week of January. I tell you what, fucker. Why don't you stay out of our holiday of Halloween and we'll stay out of your holiday of Christmas? Right. Jesus. Start it in fucking November, asshole. Political correctness coupled with bitter, angry atheists. That's, uh... You got to throw that in there. It's yeah. all the bitter, angry atheists who are, who are saying yeah, "Happy nothing, Holidays." <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with the Jews, the Muslims, and you know other people who aren't Christians. Right. It's, it's Heaven all forbid. atheists. Heaven forbid we say "Happy Holidays" in the plural, so that we throw in the New Year in there as well. But you know, it's, it's the bitter atheists who are doing this, and heaven forbid we tolerate people. He goes on um, to say, some time ago, people even started calling it Xmas. Quite literally removing the meaning of a holiday. You poor, poor man, getting stomped on by us minuscule atheists. I am so sorry. Yeah, it's amazing how 15% of the population can cause all this havoc, wreak all this havoc. Yeah. Uh, he says, shortly after they started calling it Xmas, for God's sakes, Xmas, some started celebrating a holiday during the same per- time period called Kwanzaa which is a fictitious holiday made up by a felon named Ron N. Everett who changed his name to Molana Karenga. Now let me, um, l- let, let's rephrase that a second. Hang on a second. 
shortly after this, some started celebrating a holiday during the same time period called Christmas, which is a fictitious holiday made up by a uh, executed felon named Jesus uh, Bar Joseph, who later changed his name to Jesus H. Christ. Yes, yes. We all know it's really Saturnalius. So let's let's get back to our Saturnalian roots. Right. Let's get to the true meaning of the holiday: the birth of Mithra. Uh, I love how he's talking about getting back to the real purpose of the holiday. Right. Um, the real purpose of the holiday. You ever wonder why you have a fucking tree in your house and you put little balls on it and you you deck the halls with boughs of holly and there's fucking mistletoe? It's pagan, dipshit. It's all fucking pagan. Yeah. The whole reason for for Christmas being there is to try and scoot out these pagan beliefs and uh, and practices, you jackass. Yeah, anything which could offend anyone, minus Christians, of course, shunned as intolerant. No Christmas trees, manger scenes, wise men, Jesus, or anything of the sort. It's as though there really exists a PC Grinch who has ridden down the mountain and stolen our Christmas symbols of the holiday. <laughs> Removing yeah. all Christian symbols not being enough, he, parentheses, atheist, is now advertising the No God campaign on public transit systems. The horror! Oh the my atheists are God. exercising their freedom of speech to do a fucking really? advertising campaign. Well, you know what? I have to ask you atheists out there. Why can't you be quiet and silent and hide in the corner like yeah. you should? Why must you oppress these Christian believers? Shut the fuck up. Um, but here's my favorite part. Are you ready for this? He uh, goes, he doesn't... Yeah, you want to be an atheist? Go right ahead. No problem. Don't fucking advertise on, on bus signs, though. He draws a line at that. Fuck you. Of course. Live yeah. your life as an atheist however you want to, you, you know, but, but just shut up about it. But don't attempt to tell me how to live mine because I believe in something. I believe in something. F- fuck yeah, you. Fuck you. You as have if no believing, evidence. As if believing in something is somehow positive. Well, it, <laughs> I believe in a fucking... we respect to. This guy reminds me of my brother, Sean. We should respect you because you believe in something without any evidence or research into your beliefs. I don't even tell you what it is. I just believe in something. <laughs> yeah. I believe in something. doesn't matter what it is. It's just positive that he believes in it. Yeah. And don't you give me that load of bull, capitalized bull, about being offended by manger scenes and all that garbage. You believe in nothing! This is all capitalized. How can you be so offended by something you don't even believe exists? (laughs) Oh, Oh, I don't know, because it's fucking shoved down my throat for three fucking straight months. I gotta hear about... The fucking little drummer boy and and the goddamn oh, three God, wise men I coming hate in and Christmas music. I <laughs> the fourth hate. wise man. You got to hear about frankincense and myrrh and and the real reason for the season about how how wonderful Jesus was to to give his life for us and blah 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 blah. Three fucking months of that shit. Yeah, and and you wonder why we don't want to put up with it. We you put wonder up with why you guys proselytizing to us all year round. Fuck. Wonder you. why we're grouchy all the time, fuckers. It's this shit. Day after day after day. You complain about a fucking single bus campaign where I got to uh, deal with creationists in the fucking classroom every fucking day. Have you God driven it. through Kansas, you jackass? Oh, Drive through Kansas Lord. sometime and let's see you talk about one goddamn public transit system. One fucking ad campaign. All right. Those are the skunk dick candidates of the week. Uh, the Pope. I'm going to give it to the Pope. Uh, well, I gotta give it to this jackass, the uh, Ronald Williams punching people in the throat for happy holidays. Very Christian of you, by the way. Very understanding and Christian. It would be more Christian if the title were 
The next person who says happy holidays, I will molest their child. Yes, I will part the hair of the child in front of me. <laughs> All right, so what we need to decide is skunk dick of the year, right? That's I don't care true. about the skunk dick of the week. Let, let's talk about skunk dick of the year. Glenn Beck is definitely He's in the running. candidate number one. Yeah. yeah, definitely in the running. Uh, let's see. The Catholic Church, just for uh, the Pope trying to shuffle away all these molestations and call kitty porn normal, that that's definitely why. Right. Yeah, you got to sweep that under the rug because you know the the secular society did it. Uh, so clearly, us Catholics, we can't be held responsible. Of course, uh, Mims Carter's got to be number three. Well, that's true. It, this is based off of him entirely, so we got a third there. All right. Well, let's put that, feed that into the computer. Do you have any preference? I don't really care. Given those three, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's pretty much an even running. We'll feed that into the computer. This may take a little longer because it's skunk dick of the year. And it, it may destroy our computer. I mean, <laughs> only so much skunk dickishness can be allowed. Holy shit, Leighton is the skunk dick of the year for Sweet. delaying delaying our podcast twice in a row. Leighton gets the skunk dick of the year award. Twice. Congratulations, Leighton. I only remember once. When was the second time? Once was the Wiccan party, and the second was you were on your ass because of the flu. Oh, yeah, the Wiccan party. I forgot all about that. <laughs> you must have blacked out. Well, there was a, certainly a lot of drinking going on. And uh, sure. at, at one point, I was told by Ramon, and as he announced to the entire party, that he and I were getting naked in the hot tub. So, uh, Well, yeah. I was going to ask you if there was any of that uh, nakedness going on at the winter solstice like it is in the uh, summer solstice. <laughs> you kidding me? If there's a hot tub around, there's nudity. Well, congratulations, Leighton. I can't believe the Skunk Dick of the Year award went to one of our uh, one of the two co-hosts of the show. Are you kidding me? It was inevitable. Um, <laughs> I would just like to say thank you to all you dicks out there who listen to us, <laughs> and I expect you to send me my award. Each and every one of you goddamn little motherfuckers who just sit there and listen and don't say anything quietly in the background, give me my present for this. Leeches. I like to call them leeches. Leeches. I they like just that. suck our bandwidth and suck all of our entertainment value, and they don't pay back. Yes, yes. You can suck other things, and that will be part of my prize. I will accept that in lieu of gifts. <laughs> Congratulations. All right. Uh, let's get to the interview. The first one is Tyler from More Than One Lesson, and the second one is Eli from Chariots of Iron. Well, at least we got their names right, so we're we're up on this one. Fantastic. Let's roll it. All right. Uh, Tyler, uh, do you, you know who we are? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I do. All right. We're, uh, we're two atheists from Utah, former Mormons, uh, run a little podcast. And we did a, a bunch of episodes yet last year, I think, about uh, other people who were on the podcast awards, and you were one of them. So introduce yourself. Which Which one are you? <laughs> okay. Well, first off, let's not uh let's not mince words. There's nothing small about your podcast. You've got uh you've got I think like 15 times uh, the number of listeners that I do. So, uh you're you're doing fine. Come on now. You must have less than one listener. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Okay, well, I was I was basing it on uh, on number of iTunes comments. Maybe my maybe my listeners are just very passive. Anyway, uh, okay, so yes, uh, I uh, run a podcast called More Than One Lesson. I started it last, I want to say July. And uh, do you, <laughs> how much how much would you like me to go into, like the whole background, or should I wait for your prompting? No, let's see. You're a uh, Christian is your background, right? That's the one, yeah. And the More Than One Lesson is kind of a Christian movie review site. You review movies from a Christian perspective. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the idea, uh, I guess. Um, I moved to Los Angeles from Chicago uh, at the beginning of 2007, and uh, in, the, in the spring of 2007, I started a movie podcast called Battleship Pretension, uh, which has been going uh, since then. And uh, I really enjoyed doing uh, the podcast. It, I found it incredibly rewarding. But I was starting to get the feeling that I should uh, do something else because uh, I've been Christian for a long time. I've been a part of the church for a long time. And I've been a fan of movies for a long time. I went to film school in Chicago. Um, but even before then, really as, as, as long as I can remember, I, uh, I loved film. And, and uh, film is not widely accepted in the Christian community, which is very frustrating to me. Uh, I'm not really sure why that is. I don't recall there being anything particularly evil about celluloid, but um, I, uh, I decided I wanted to start a second podcast, and uh, <laughs> the, uh, the joke that I said, though it's not really a joke, is that I wanted it to be a show for people like my mom, but the downside of that is that, and again, this might sound a little rude, those people are not usually very internet savvy, and have not they have not found my show. Uh, the people that have found my show are people that are already kind of on board with what I'm with what I'm saying. Um, and my mom has not listened to a single episode of it, for example. Nice. And uh, that's that's off putting. But uh, but yeah, my hope is that I'll just keep at it, and uh, maybe it will find. Not find an audience because I have an audience, but that it will, it will find the audience that I wanted it to have, and maybe it will make the difference that I want it to have. And all of a sudden, you know, the uh, the R rating on a film is not, you know, the mark of Cain. But yeah, so it's it's been an interesting experience so far. Well, yeah. You don't have to worry. My mother hasn't listened to my show either, but she <laughs> continually castigates me for it. Oh, there's no question about it. Uh, I I have to assume anybody who does a podcast, with the exception of maybe three people, uh, probably has a parent or a friend who who asks like, uh, so uh, when uh, when does this start making you money? <laughs> and the answer is, of course, invariably uh, 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 never. In fact, it only costs money. It's it really is just throwing money down the sinkhole. But it's uh, I can't help it. It's it's very it's a lot of fun. You know, I gotta ask you because uh, we had ourselves an interesting phone conversation, and I've been chuckling about that phone conversation ever since. Okay. Um, you actually listened to our last year podcast show, so you got to hear what we were saying about you. And I gotta ask, what insanity is in your brain that would make you come onto a show with people that said that? <laughs> Well, you mentioned the phone conversation you and I had, and uh, my first instinct, as was the instinct of a lot of my friends who I asked uh, for advice about that, uh, about this, um, was to not do it. Um, but, but I, and I expressed that concern to you when we talked a few days ago, and uh, your your answers uh, made it sound like it, like this would not be nearly as, uh, uh, what's the word? 
let's go with abrasive. Um, <laughs> it's that it was not going to be quite a exit the conversation entirely if you wanted no abrasiveness. <laughs> well, it's just that it wasn't going to that this discussion was not going to have the tone of that. But uh, but yes, I, I I did listen to that discussion last year, and you know I I spent uh, I spent a, a few minutes. I was going to say a few minutes. I'll say a few days just being angry and talking to the computer and just and then just being like, "You know what? I, I, it's fine. I'm just going to move on. They disagree with me. It's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world." You know, um, um that's a little disappointing cuz we could have made an entire new podcast about any emails that you sent us. Oh, exactly. You know what? That that was kind of the thing is that part of me you know, uh, at the risk of, I, I don't want to make it seem like I was demonizing you guys or anything, uh, although I was in my mind. I didn't want to give you anything more. You know what I mean? Like, I already gave you, I already gave you the shows. You know, I, uh, I don't need to, to add fuel to that fire. Another reason that I didn't want to email you guys is just, uh, like you said, there's a certain stereotype to Christians, which is that we're very thin skinned. And, I am very thin-skinned, although I don't think it has a function. It's a function of my faith. I think it's a function of my my paralyzing insecurity as a person. But at the same time, I, it was that I didn't want to fall into a certain stereotype. But then also, just the internet. I, you guys, you know, you guys have probably experienced this. Uh, I've called uh, the internet is a wonderful and horrible place. And uh, and I did an episode recently about the the documentary Winnebago Man, uh, which is about uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that YouTube. Thing of the outtakes from a, a Winnebago industrial promotional film from 20 years ago. But it's an interesting documentary, and it explores how the Internet basically keeps us from seeing each other as people uh, with feelings and philosophies and all this other stuff, and that we only see people as the way as if they were opposed to us and that's real or they're on our side. Either one or the other is surprisingly black and white. And, uh, and I thought, you know, if I was in if I was in your guy's position and I was hearing these things, I was listening to the, you know, the Mark Driscoll podcast or, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I might think the same thing. And, uh, and I just thought like, I admittedly, I think I, I might've handled it differently, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> as Leighton, as you were telling me, uh, on the phone, you know, you, you guys are, are more about satire and, 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 you know, irony and comedy. And so, you know, I know a lot of stand-up comedians, and be as irreverent as you want. Like, after a certain point, you don't really care. It's and it's, it's it's conversations like this that I'm much more interested in, as opposed to me firing off some angry email. You know. So uh, anyway, uh, I've been talking. I've been talking a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. You you hurt my feelings by. Uh, doing 30 minutes on how much of an asshole I was, so it all works out. We were, we were hoping for an email because that would have made me feel so much better to get an email. <laughs> you did the smart thing. You took the high road on that one. Um, and it, it does um, go to your character that, that you're able to put that behind you and actually come on the show. I mean, that that, that says a lot about you. That well, let's not build you up for the first insult. Here it comes. <laughs> well, let's 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 not build me up too much because, of course, my first thought was like, I got the I got the email, and my first thought was like, Are you shitting me? Like, are you seriously? <laughs> do you really think you're that I'm gonna come on and just take abuse 
to my face, not literally, of course, because it's on Skype and we can't even see each other. But, uh, but, uh, and and it was, I mean, it really was uh, something that I was really thinking hard about. And I, you know, I talked to my wife, I talked to my friends, and and my wife was like totally on board with me coming on the show. And then I said, well, let me let me play the episode for you that they they did about my show. So she I listened while I for your wife. I did. <laughs> so. So she listened while I went into the other room because I really was not in the mood to hear it again. And uh, and the and once I came out, she's like, "Yeah, you you, you can't do that show." <laughs> and so, um, because she she knows that I tend to stress out about things and and all of that. But uh, but yeah, once I Leighton, I follow. I, I took your advice and I listened to you know some of the like the guest episodes and and it sounded like a in in spite of of you know the like a, a satirical tone and all that you know it sounds like in the discussions you guys are kind of on the same page as I am I think where it, just starting a talk like starting a discussion is what you're more interested in uh than just shouting at people uh and and that sort of thing but I don't know maybe I'm wrong I did only listen to the episode where I where I think you guys were on somebody else's uh was it a radio show Oh, you listen to the evidence for faith debate, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that's the one. Um but uh, so I listened to that and that was and that was interesting and I like that a great deal. Yeah, the other guest episodes, uh, Pete Rollins is probably my favorite cuz he's a philosopher, but uh, I mean mm-hmm. what, what we really want when we have people on the show is uh to figure out what makes them tick, why they believe what they believe, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um so let's uh I mean, well, first I want to ask because I kind of have a similar feeling growing up Mormon. Does it embarrass you uh, as a Christian to have these Christian movies like The Omega Code or uh, <laughs> what was that other one that you mentioned that you didn't like? Fireproof. Yeah, uh, yeah. Made by Christians, marketed by Christians. As a Mormon growing up, there there's this movement, I think, in the 90s to, to do Mormon movies, right? And mm. uh, it was tremendously embarrassing as a Mormon uh, to actually watch these and have that representative as the Mormon culture as a whole. Well, it's 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 not only embarrassing, but it's actually infuriating um, because, you know, you, you grow up, you know, I, I grew up in the church, and, and so first you start, you, you start listening to, like, Christian music. And the one thing that I observed is that Christian music seemed to be derivative in its tone and in its style of uh you know secular music and so it's like okay so this is the watered down version of the thing that's good um so why would i ever want to actually listen to it like if you're going to do and christian music christian music has only recently decided to be its own thing and whether i like it or not is not the issue rather than than trying to do this secular thing and of course do it poorly they decide they wanted to kind of go off on their own and though i don't really listen to christian music I I at least respect that decision. And then of course Christian Christian art is usually about 10 to 15 years behind secular art. And so when it comes to Christian film, yeah, I mean there's the Omega I mean the Omega Code is and and um what is it? Uh Left Behind, like those are those are only like the higher profile examples of like all of those uh you know tribulation uh end times films. Um and because what it was is it was the Christian equivalent of a movie like Armageddon 
or Independence Day. It was the equi- it's like, oh, well, you know, hey, uh, kids like these uh, big budget sci-fi movies, so we should make one of those, but we'll do it with a Christian thing. It's like, okay, so first off, you're already aspiring to be something that's bad. Armageddon is bad, Independence Day is bad. So already you're aspiring to that. The one thing that those movies have is a big budget and great special effects. You do not have that budget, so even the one thing you could have had is not going to be good. So you, so what you need to do is when the budget is low, you have to put money and put time into the writing and in the acting. But they don't do that because the people that the, that the film is for, they don't require great writing or great acting. They require that they are told that they are right. And that, that sounds like uh, kind of a mean thing to say, but, but that's kind of true. People – and I, and I understand that instinct where – because there's some – so, you know, uh, there's some stuff put forth in the movie Fireproof that I, as a Christian and as a married man, I agree with. And I'm like, oh, they're right. And that's not something that you hear in film very often. But of course, and so you almost, almost want to give it a pass. But then you're like, oh, right. This is awful. This is really one of the worst things I've ever seen. And so it's embarrassing, of course, because. You know, uh, there was a, a a Christian movie review website that I used to go to uh, solely to make myself angry, and um, because I I was that guy on the internet, I was always looking for things to make me angry. Um, what what fascinated me was how many Christians would look at a movie like Fireproof or like Left Behind and say, I I feel like I can take my non-Christian friends to this, and I said, okay, well, you can't. Your non-Christian friends are not going to like this, and it shows it shows just how out of touch you are with popular culture in general, much less secular culture, just pop, popular culture, that you literally think that you can take somebody who doesn't believe these things, and they will enjoy it as much as you do. I mean, that that's crazy to me. Some of okay. the best drinking games I've ever been on have involved Christian film, especially like the Omega Code. You take a few shots every time that dude is running, and trust me, you will be blitzed by the end of the movie. Yeah, it's like a John, it's like a John Grisham film. Um, but, uh, oh, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, when I first watched Fireproof, I watched it with a group of of my like-minded Christian friends, and uh, oh, we had a good old time watching that movie. You know, it's because it's just so ridiculous and it's just so just ham-fisted and just uh, complete a complete lack of subtlety is what what usually bothers me. I I mean, there are movies that I philosophically agree with. There are movies that I philosophically don't agree with. But the idea is that it puts forth the ideas organically as opposed to just crams them in there and that's the problem with Christian film is they have a goal which is we need to preach the gospel and so they'll create characters and it's already predetermined where the characters are going to end up and you know I I used to write I used to do screenwriting I did it in school and and all of that and one thing that I've that I found out was that when you write something after a while if you've if you've created strong characters the characters kind of dictate to you where they're going to go i know that sounds like a really pretentious uh film school idea but it's kind of true and uh but if you determine where they're going to go regardless of the type of character you've created then it's not going to feel genuine and it's not going to be satisfying noticed that in all christian films uh the atheists are always atheists because they're upset at god 
Is anybody in Christian film ever going to write about an atheist who just came to the conclusion because of his research? I mean, what is that within Christian film that that is the most important thing to portray, that atheists are just angry with God? It's all about the audience, Leighton. You're not, the audience is all Christian, and so some an atheist who's angry at God fits the stereotype of angry atheists, and also... Mm-hmm indirectly justifies their belief in Christianity because if you're angry at God you of course assent to his existence I've never seen a a Christian film show a guy who was (laughs) bothered by the lack of historical evidence or or (laughs) contradictions or rationality of Christianity my point every portrayal of an atheist in movie is oh he's just angry with God as soon as the angel turns on the headlamps he'll convert back the one in the Omega Code was especially funny because he was angry at God because like I don't know a drunk driver uh, killed his mother or something like that and he's also on the (laughs) same show uh, arguing for the essentially the Bible code. <laughs> well, it's, where did that come from? It's not from weird, God. That's a weird movie because what what <laughs> fascinates me is, to my knowledge, the Omega Code, the film, came out I think before the Da Vinci Code, the book, which is which was very interesting because they seem to have kind of similar ideas at at the very base of them, of course. Um, but in, in regards to your point, I will. I can't believe I'm about, I'm about to say what I'm about to say, but. In defense of the Christian film industry, um, and that's the thing is, I don't think they're thinking this, but uh, but I'm thinking it, which is, it's it, it's more dramatic. There's more conflict to have somebody who can say, I believe I believe this or I don't believe this because of this. It's a very cause and effect kind of thing. It gives a character motivation as opposed to simply, well, I opened, I, I read this, I read this author. You know, like that's not very. That doesn't make for a very dynamic character. And I think you'd probably be more likely to find that sort of thing in documentaries. But uh, so yeah, I I think I think that might be the uh, whether they are able. This again, I'm I'm going to sound very condescending. Um, but whether they know it or not, I think that's why they're drawn to that character archetype is because it is simple. It it, it simplifies it. It makes it easy to deal with. You know. Well, it's actually kind of an interesting phenomenon because, uh, I mean, I know it happens to me and I know a few of our fans who I've emailed back and forth with. It's that a lot of atheists won't even talk about trials in their background or any troubles they've had because it, because of these films, I'm absolutely sure of it, but because of these films, as soon as an atheist says, well, you know, when I was younger, this happened, uh, the Christian side goes, oh, that's that's why you're an atheist, you're angry at God. And it's, it's hilarious because a, a lot of our fans that I'll talk with, they will hide any sort of bad thing in their past because they don't want to be associated with, with just that sort of uh, general idea. Well, and I think it I think it speaks to, like, our inherent instinct to just reach for the easiest explanation. I mean, whether it be atheism or, or Christianity or, you know, conser- you know, being conservative or liberal, like, I mean, when is the last time that any philosophy you held could be traced to one thing? Like, one event in your life or one aspect of, of your life? I mean, chances are, I mean, we, we kind of, we kind of get our our belief systems over a series of events or realizations or choices that we've made or whatever the case may be and yeah to just boil things down to this one moment to put it in dramatic terms even though we're not talking about film right now it kind of 
puts this dramatic stencil on something that makes it a lot easier to to swallow or a lot easier to dismiss. I, I happen to be reading, uh, I don't know if you guys have read the Malcolm Gladwell book, The Tipping Point. Leighton barely finished Horton Hears a Who, so... Actually, I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got what? Uh, about 50 more pages. I don't want to give the ending away. Those damn Wickersham brothers, man. Don't don't even get me started on them. They were terrifying as a kid. There's easier words than who. I mean, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, have you ever thought of reviewing some of these Mormon films? Because I've got uh, I've got a good one for you. It's called the Buttercream Gang. Oh, I'll, uh, you know what? Why would you do that? If I wait, what? <laughs> Hang on, let me let me get a pen because I, I'm going to make this a, a very top priority. I tell I'm you being what, sarcastic. I'm not going to, but if but you it sounds agree, very familiar. If you agree to make a podcast on it, I will hunt down this video and mail it to you. Okay, well, uh, no offense, I can't guarantee that simply because, <laughs> as I mentioned, I do one episode a month, and people already, my friends already give me crap for doing obscure movies as it is. You know, like oh, no, this, I, this one is—it's is, a prize. It's a real gem. After this one, you want to gouge your ears and eyes out. This one is legendary it's, within Mormon circles. It sounds very—it actually sounds very familiar. It is—is is it specifically Mormon? Well, they try not to make it specifically Mormon, but it was produced and directed and acted uh, entirely by Mormons. Okay. It's readily apparent, but they try to uh, mask it as a general Christian film. Yeah, I can send you the sequel to The Buttercream Gang in Secret of Treasure Mountain if you'd like that as well. <laughs> Already the title bothers me because I'm going to assume I'm going to assume that the secret to Treasure Mountain is that there's treasure in it. Is that the secret? Well, that depends. They got to churn the butter. To get I, the butter. <laughs> I will admit not to seeing the sequel, uh, but I did watch oh. the original Buttercream Gang about I don't know what was it, fifteen years ago. Uh, my parents got it as a white elephant gift, I guess, and they made us sit down and watch it. It was uh, it was <laughs> it was horrible. You're so, clawing your way towards the door at at one point. Oh, yeah, it, it really is. You you really do feel like gouging your eyes out. It's, it's about this kid who, you know, the whole town is really nice kids. It's kind of like a uh, little house on the prairie town, and and this one kid, even though he's surrounded by all these other good kids and good influences, he he goes bad until the rest of the town helps him. I mean, there's one scene where he breaks in to the. This guy has given him a job at his uh, general store. And he breaks into it after hours and steals some money from his till, and the guy catches him, and he said, you don't have to steal it from me. I'll just give it to you. Yeah, here, just take it. Yeah, that, well, that's hey. A, that's a good way to solve a problem. In fact, if any store owners out there want me to come in and take your money or give it to me, I would happily accept The hell am I working for? I'll just now, take all now, your money. At, at the risk of sounding like I'm defending the buttercream gang, which should never be a sentence that comes out of your I know. Mouth. <laughs> I know. Especially because maybe I can only say because I haven't seen it. That exact uh, concept is, uh, pr is present and plays a big role in the Victor Hugo novel Les Miserables. The idea of a thief coming to, Jean Valjean in fact, coming to, uh, you know, steal from a, uh, he's not a priest, I don't, I don't quite recall what he is, but, uh, and the priest having the option of, uh, 
of having him sent to jail, but instead he gives him these uh, silver candlesticks and and all of that kind of thing. So it sounds like they uh, they've got it all worked out artistically. I'm I mean, not I, sure. I think, I, think I, I don't think they break into singing like they do with the Les Miserables move, or, uh, of theater, but uh, you are the first person I have ever heard of who has compared Les Mes to <laughs> Buttercream. I'm sure that's, that scene is just a subtle subtext of uh, oh, an there's homage no question. To, to Les Miserables. <laughs> that does it. I'm looking on Amazon.com right now, and I'm going to send this movie to you. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that, I'm... I'm, I'm Excited, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm always excited to to watch a, a bad movie. I mean, f- I do still have Fireproof. It's there on my shelf. There um, it is. MS Tinga, you like to sit back and comment and harass the... Uh, the Buttercream Gang, new and used from $3.25. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Uh, five-star review, arguably one of the greatest family fills of all time. Now that's important enough to do on your video, your podcast. Well, hey, I don't see how I have any choice. Um, that that undoubtedly was written by somebody who probably has not seen many family films. And that's the thing. I, I, don't want, I, I do want to be very careful uh, because on my other podcast, uh, Battleship Pretension, um, my co-host is always quick to say, and I, and I agree with him, that, like, that just because somebody likes crappy art or terrible movies, that doesn't necessarily make them dumb. It just means they haven't had the education I've had or whatever the case may be. But it's just like, man, it's so, it's, it's so tempting and it's so easy to just be like, seriously, person who wrote a five-star review for the Buttercream Gang, like, have you seen anything by Pixar? Have you seen anything by... <laughs> How about Disney? How about Disney in general? The let worst me, Disney film has let, to be better. Let me read I'm the one-star review called The Horrors. Oh, <laughs> this movie is like a bad train wreck. You want to turn away from it, but you just can't because it's so bad. I mean, think about it. A bunch of kids who hang around in a treehouse doing good deeds for fellow citizens. <laughs> That's what the Buttercream Gang is. They're like a gang, but they do good deeds. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> Now, oddly enough, what I got from that uh, from that comment, the guy s- felt the need to specify a bad train wreck. <laughs> that's interesting to me, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I did. A, I had a question for you guys. It's it's a question that was posed to me by um, many of my friends in regards to the uh, the podcast awards, but more specifically in regards to you guys uh, and the various other atheist podcasts. Um, do you, like do you guys did you guys submit yourself in the religion category? Yes, you did. Okay, we're um, listed in iTunes under religion, and I thought about putting it under science, but we're really uh, it's really kind of um, a critique of religion, so it should okay. it should properly go in the religion category. Although okay. we will admit to having f- some enjoyment being nominated under religion inspiration, it's it's very oh. Funny. Oh, absolutely. I assume that's where it fits in, um, because a friend, because at first my my thought was like, why are all these atheist podcasts nominated in the religion category? And then I thought, okay, well, you know, it's probably that uh, that they're still speaking about religion, just not right. in the you know, not in the affirmative. And then a friend of mine actually brought up a point that I thought was was interesting, which was if there was like this really like a really hateful like. Fred Phelpsian kind of anti-gay podcast, it would probably not, even if they submitted it in the gay-lesbian category, it probably would not be 
put in that category, even if it had a lot of votes. They, it probably wouldn't be nominated at all. But uh, but it struck me as, as an interesting idea, because I think what they should probably do is just take out religion, take out inspiration, and just maybe put it in philosophy. Or is that already a... Is that already a category? No, they don't have a philosophy category that should be in a skeptic category. There should be a separate skeptical category. Then you could separate the atheist podcast out from the religion. Because we're not inspiration by any means. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I, I know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It was an inspiration. I got out of bed after two hours of sleep this morning, so it was an inspiration to me at least. I mean, you have something like Atheist News Podcast uh, that... It's just about atheist news. That that does that really have anything to do with religion? I mean, we complain that we're uh, as atheists. Uh, a lot of the fundamentalists will say, you know, oh, you guys are just another religion. You're the religion of secular humanism or the religion of atheism, and mm-hmm. uh, and we'll complain about that. No, we're not a religion. If anything, we're we're a critique of a religion, and we're just a. Um, by virtue, you know, atheism isn't a, really a position. If Christianity and religion weren't so popular, atheism would be meaningless as a philosophical position. It's really mm-hmm. skepticism. So they, they should have a skeptic category in there, and that that would separate everything else out. Well, especially because there's just so so many of them at this point. I right. think uh, the I think it was I don't remember if it was this year, or last year, or maybe it was both. That was was it called the not skepticality, but the is it the skeptic's guide to the universe? Yep. That uh, that one in the in the science category, yep, but like far. at this point, there's just so many of them that it kind of warrants its own thing. I don't know. It just it felt strange to me that uh, that you know the la- in, in the last uh, no this year not not last year but that uh, that the actual religious podcasts were definitely in the minority of uh, of the category. But whatever, it's fine. Right. And la- both both years, reasonable doubts won last year, and this year was won by Atheist News podcast. So it's not voting well for the religious category <laughs> at this point. And you and you you know what I think it is. I mean, I I I kind of mentioned it with uh, my show not really finding an audience. And again, admittedly, if I did more than one episode a month, and I didn't record them at 4 a.m. and put them out there at 6 a.m. where no one will ever discover that there's a new episode out. Uh, so a lot of that blame is on me, but also, um, you know, I think a lot of the a lot of the same instinct that causes that in the past have has caused Christians to be skeptical of and, and kind of wary of um, like film and television. Uh, I think I think it has now moved on to the internet. You know, the internet. There's all kinds of terrible things on the internet, and admittedly there is, but uh, I, I don't think you you find a lot of a lot of. Uh, Christians, I'll, I'll speak specifically about Christians that are incredibly internet savvy. I mean, you'll find plenty that are, but they're usually of a certain generation. And honestly, at this point, a, a lot of Christian podcasts are mostly just sermons put in put out there as a podcast. And so people don't feel the need to nominate that because it almost doesn't really qualify. And so, um, so I think there's a combination as to why... I I I think that there's probably just not many being submitted. I don't know, but that's that's just my theory. Well, I have to wonder. Uh, you know, did you know that uh, Utah downloads more porn than any other state in uh, in the union? I know that now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's completely filled with Mormons. All you ever hear in Utah is how bad the internet is due to porn, and yet yeah. uh, people here download more porn than any other state. And so I have to wonder if. 
one of the reasons why uh, Christian podcasts or Christian shows are just so down there and uh, and not really reaching the stars, I guess, is mm-hmm. because they're constantly told what not to listen to, and then they go to this vulgarity, and it fills something where they have been constantly pulled away for their entire life. Oh, possibly. I mean, it's it, something that that has kind of bothered me about uh, the Christian church is is the emphasis on like the idea of sexual sin as the end all be all of 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 sin, and uh, and don't get me wrong, like I know that it has like ruined people's lives, like sexual addiction and that sort of thing. I don't mean to to downplay that, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was actually just the other day I was watching special features of the film uh, Night of the Hunter, which just got this really awesome Criterion release, and that's a film that's just I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but it's really fascinating. It's got uh, Robert Mitchum as this uh, kind of a phony preacher with love and hate tattooed on his knuckles, and and uh, and the film's it's just all about like sexual repression, and a lot of I think a lot of Christians like get so focused on this one thing because it's a very tangible sin like you can't talk about you know you can't talk about the idea of like pride or you know greed or you know whatever because those are very abstract you know whereas sexual sin well that's something that that we can really focus on and uh and if you focus on that too much kind of out of proportion with everything else then people are going to become transfixed on that and there's, I think, a natural human instinct to engage in the thing that is the most taboo. And of course, in the in in the Christian Church, it's all that's always been sex. It's it's kind of a, a weird irony in that the Christian Church has been focusing so much on how sex is wrong and blah 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 that uh, that they've actually probably wound up intriguing more people about sex than they have actually scaring people off of it. I, I personally believe that. When it comes to like talking to a kid, the best way to get them to do something is to tell them to not do it. And I don't think we ever actually grow out of that. I think we, uh, I, I think we might be able to hide it a little bit better, or we might be able to, uh, might be able to resist it better. But I think that that natural instinct to to basically say you can't tell me what to do, um, I think that's still there. And uh, and the more you know, the more we focus on, you know, one thing or another, uh, I think the more it's going to actually entice people. I said intrigue, but I think entice is the word. I think uh, it, it's much equated. Anybody that's been in the military has gone on base and seen a list of prohibited places you can go to. And uh, I'm sure uh, everybody out there did just like me that actually pulled the list down, made a copy of it, and then went to every single one of those places I wasn't supposed to right. I've to find out why. The same thing. I've, I've known people at BYU who they have this little honor code, right, who've made it their life's goal during the four years to violate every single one of those facets of the honor code without getting kicked out of BYU. Yeah, it, it goes from being a list of, of don'ts to basically a checklist of goals, right? Well, otherwise, they wouldn't have never have thought about doing any of that stuff. Yeah, Exa- guess, oh, absolutely. You, there are places I've been to just because of these banned lists that I'm just like, wow, I never would have come here on my own, but I like this. <laughs> Let's see. I'm trying to think if I had any questions for you guys, and I, I don't because I don't feel like getting into last year's episode. So I think I'm going to skip that. Oh, bring it on! Let's have it. Come on, I, I want to hear it. <laughs> Uh, well, some of it had to do with uh, because that's the thing is you know Leighton, you kind of mentioned that it was, that a lot of it was you kind of amped up the the 
not the rhetoric, but the the joking a little bit because of the nature of what you guys want your show to be. And so I'm not really sure how seriously to take what you guys said, or more specifically the tone of what you guys said. Um, but oddly, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you my my initial reaction, and this kind of speaks to. As I, I mentioned earlier that I can be a very insecure person, but I can also be incredibly prideful, uh, not in a good way, of course, where you, you were talking about, like, religious and my, my review of religious. And, uh, and my first response was probably the exact opposite of what I probably should have had, which was, like, the, the response I probably should have had was, hey, you can't make fun of my religion. Say what you want about me. What I actually said was, well, you know, my my faith will my faith can speak for itself and whatever, but these guys are are demeaning my ability to critique film, and that is angering to me. <laughs> you know, like it, immediately, like I, I went to a defense of myself instead of a defense of the larger thing, which is probably the opposite of what I should have done. But uh, but yeah, so it was it was an interesting. And that's that's actually what I was yelling at my computer, or more specifically at my iPod while I was driving, was uh, was just like, no, don't you understand? This is a bad documentary. There are good documentaries, and this isn't one of them. And uh, uh, but that's yeah, I won't argue that point. I actually don't like Bill Maher all that much, and uh, your your point that he brought out a bunch of idiots, um, trotted out a bunch of idiots. And then made Christians look bad is is probably fair. Although uh, Michael Moore does the same thing, a lot of other documentaries do the same thing, and um, it's just what's entertaining, really. It's it's a very disturbing trend in in documentary, and I'm I am inclined to blame Michael Moore. I used to be a big fan of his, but then he really started. I mean, he started buying into his own bullshit. Quite frankly, um, it's one thing. A documentary is always going to have creative editing. It's just kind of you you need to do it just to move it along. It's not going to be all raw footage. But Michael Moore would like twist the facts until finally it was it wasn't even close to the truth. It it, it was like in the in like uh, Roger and me. It was like a representative of the truth, and he he mixed around some dates, but the the core truth was still there. But then but then by the time Bowling for Columbine came along, and Fahrenheit 9/11 and all that. By that time, I mean he had changed it so much that it's like this is not, this isn't even close. Like these are all checkable facts, and this isn't even close to it. But in interviews, when people would ask him about inaccuracy, he al- he would always come back with, "Well, how is there inac- How can there be inaccuracy in comedy?" See, that was his fallback position. Like you were saying about entertainment, is that. He said, "Well, because I'm trying to be entertaining, I don't have to be completely truthful." And it was it was really interesting. Uh, and I think that his films they are very entertaining, and they and they're some of the first documentaries to ever make any money. And uh, and so I think other filmmakers have tried to replicate that because it is a very successful formula. You get movies like Super Size Me, you get movies like Religious, and I'll I'll flip it around, you get movies like Spelled, which I think is also a bad documentary, and it's just like, it's like, ah, uh, I'm not opposed to a documentary being entertaining, but when you start to sacrifice what this genre is supposed to be, uh, you know, what are you what are you actually trying to do? And actually on that religious episode, the, the guy that I, the, the guest that I had, my friend Nathan, he put forth an idea that I kind of like that is actually kind of similar to the idea of like creating the the skeptics category of the podcast awards which is if you create a different category of film called like 
commentary film or editorial film, then movies like Religious and Fahrenheit 9-11, they make sense because there's, if you were to categorize them that way, then all of a sudden people think, okay, this is somebody putting forth their opinion, and that's all it is, is their opinion. But there's, with the documentary genre, uh, people just in, instinctively, even if they know better, they instinctively feel like it has the ring of truth to it. And uh, and that's the problem with with a lot of modern documentaries. This is a, this is a really great time for documentaries. Um, there's a lot of really wonderful films being made and and put out there, but uh, but it's also you know there's always that allure to just really make a lot of money, make something. There again, there's nothing wrong with it being entertaining, but when you start to sacrifice other things, uh, then then there's a problem. And I think that's something that that religious does quite a bit and I, I I'm not sure if I fault Bill Maher with that I think I'm more inclined to fault uh, Larry Charles who did Borat which is kind of this weird mix of documentary and just fi- and narrative comedy um, and I, I feel like Larry Charles is probably more to blame for it than Bill Maher yeah I don't I, know uh, uh, waiting for Guffman was the best documentary ever made so you know here's the thing the, that okay so that film it is. It's not true technically, but I've done Southwest Missouri Community Theater, and man, oh man, that thing ha- that thing's way more factual than anything Michael Moore's done in the last ten years. Uh, it is. Uh, it's astounding when you when you watch it, and if you've done that exact thing that these characters are doing, and you're like, I recognize that guy. I recognize that woman. I recognize this whole thing. And now I'm just going to go and cry myself to sleep. Right. I mean, it, it, something could be accurate, but not um, factual or, or, you know, real. One of the right. things that I think that we're shifting to, in the documentary at least, is a, a realization that there is no such thing as objectivity. Um, when, right. when, when you talk about, like, news organizations in the 50s, they're supposed to be objective. Um, we know now that... Uh, Everyone has their own agenda. Um, Fox News, fair and balanced, my ass. Um, mm-hmm. The same thing as uh, Comedy Central's A Daily Show. Um, yeah. the, the nice thing about Michael Moore is that he puts all his cards on the table. Same thing with, with Bill Maher. Um, yeah. all, all the cards are on the table. You know what you're go- You should, if you're an educated uh, viewer, you should know Michael Moore's agenda before you walk in. And you ought to know that before you walk in, you're looking at what is essentially a prosecuting attorney's case. He's going to provide all of this stuff uh, without showing any of the opposing view. Now, Michael Moore's a little bit more guilty, I agree, because he will twist the facts around exactly like a prosecuting attorney will. Uh, And even a little more so, maybe like an unethical prosecuting attorney. (laughs) Like... He'll, he'll yeah, not that, only creatively edit it, but he'll edit it in order to make a case that wasn't there in the original footage. Like a like an old school Chicago uh, prosecuting attorney. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, who might have gotten a little something under the table. Um, but uh, yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's it, it's almost impossible to be completely objective, but. Um, there's a film that I, I haven't seen. I own it, but I haven't watched all of it. I watched the first 20 minutes. Then I realized that I was not in the... Uh, I, I, I had embarked on something that I could not do at the time. There's a, a documentary called Lake of Fire, and it's directed by a guy named Tony Kay. He directed um, American History X. And 
the film is fascinating because it's about the it's about abortion. It's about the more more the issue of abortion and how it has affected this country. And he took 16 years to make it because he as he started to he realized this issue is a lot bigger than I thought it was. And I want to not only get a complete picture of it, but I want to see how it evolves over the course of several different, you know, presidents and uh, and that sort of thing. And ultimately, uh, based on reviews that I read, because again, it's pretty pretty heavy t- subject. And I started watching it, and 20 minutes in, like after seeing like the umpteenth person like cry about one thing or another, I was like, okay, uh, I'm not in the mood to kill myself, so I think I'm going to hold off uh, until I am, and then I'll watch this movie. But uh, but all the <laughs> reviews that I've read uh, say that it's actually shockingly even-handed, and that anybody who watches it, like they of course bring their own bias and their own opinions to it, and that uh, on uh, IMDb and the various comment sections, it's not an unusual thing for someone to say, I did think this, but after watching this film, now I think the opposite. And it's with both views, uh, pro, uh, pro-choice and, and pro-life. And it's really interesting. And to me, that is... is uh, now, of course, not every, not every filmmaker can spend seven, you know, 16 years making a film. I understand that. But like it, that level of commitment to a topic and really trying to examine it the way it should be examined like I have tremendous respect for that it's it's the same guy it's like the the guys who made hoop dreams which they you know they made a film over the course of eight years following these two kids lives and then you know when Errol Morris made the fog of war he was start it was just going to be a little like I think a little one hour interview with uh, uh, Robert McNamara and then I think he and then he saw the potential in it and it w- became you know several days worth of interview footage and uh and I think I like that. I think that's what I like about the documentary uh genre is that it doesn't have to be locked into the end pro- the the end the, the conclusion. He doesn't want to be locked into that. He can just let it flow and let it be let it develop. And I think that's what I like about it. And one of the things I don't like about religious and don't like about about Michael Moore and Expelled is that much like I was talking about with uh, with Christian films, they have the end in mind, they have the goal in mind, and they'll do whatever they need to do to achieve that. And something like that's just like I don't know. Not only does it seem kind of unfair, but it's also just it doesn't seem satisfying to me. But that's that's just me. I, I've been talking for way too long. I'm well, sorry. Well, I mean, you, you may be right in that we may need a new category. Um, basically, yeah, a category absolutely. called uh, assholes who want to push their opinions on you. Amentary. Yeah. <laughs> Jer- Asshole amentary. Jerks who can afford a digital camera. That's that's, that's what go. it can be called. A jerkumentary? And- a dickumentary? <laughs> dickumentary! <laughs> we got it. There we go. We've got a new category. The dickumentary. That's not bad. Although it's just a matter of time. <laughs> you know, isn't a... Isn't there going to be a podcast called that? Just give it enough time. Yeah. Every ridiculous yeah. pun, uh, including, I mean... My other podcast, Battleship Pretension, is a pun on the the silent film titled Battleship Potemkin. So, give it enough time, there will every conceivable pun will be uh, the name of a podcast. Nice. Well, I tell you what, we probably ought to end it there. Um, we'd okay. love to have you back on to discuss basic Christianity, um, because oh, okay. you, during that uh, religious discussion, you guys 
uh, had mentioned, you know, the idiots that uh, Bill Maher brought in that, that couldn't defend their faith, but that you guys could give a reasonable defense mm-hmm. of your faith. So I'd love to have you back on to talk about that. What do you think, Layton? Well, I, I'm perfectly okay with that. I think that's great. I just don't want to put you in an awkward situation. That was that was one of your concerns when you were coming onto the show, was whether or not you were going to be forced to defend your beliefs. So, I mean, really, it's up to Tyler and uh, and his comfort level at this point. Sure. Well, I think uh, what I'll I'd, I'd be happy to do it. I think it, I think it'd be uh, interesting at the very least. Um, but I will I will uh, you know specify that um, my reasons for believing what I believe are mostly a function of philosophy and that sort of thing. Now I think that 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 the philosophy is true and all of that. I, I'm I'm not. Uh, like a relativist or anything like that, but when it comes to like, what is it? Uh, what is the word that you use? The co- uh, like the cosmological arguments, right. like that's that's not really my area of expertise. Not to imply that the philosophical argument is my area of expertise, but frankly, like I, I've I've always been much more interested in like interpretation and, and analysis and kind of the more artistic side of things, and uh, and so that's. Like it, it depends on the kind of discussion you would want to have. Like if you want to have a cosmological discussion, then uh, that's I, I'm not the I'm not the guy for that. <laughs> well, we just come and uh, maybe bring you on to ask you about why you believe what you believe in, and oh, okay. uh, not maybe even to defend or argue, but just you know what led you to believe. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds great. I'm not sure uh, when, I'm not sure when I can do it, but I, I'm sure we could try to make it happen sometime in the next uh, I don't know couple months. We'll figure it out. Leighton, you got any closing thoughts? Uh, no, no. You've I been awfully no quiet thoughts. over there. I'm uh, suspicious that you've been sleeping through this whole podcast. And that would be different from any other podcast. Huh? <laughs> Exactly. I can't say as I I can't say as I would blame him. I mean, were you listening to the things that I was saying? I was talking. I was using, I was using words like genre and subgenre. Come on now. Yeah, really. Let's let's bring it down to my education level. Right. <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks for coming on. I, I really do think it took a lot of guts for you to come on, especially uh, after uh, listening to the episode. Did you listen to the entire episode? Because at the very end, we also made fun of ourselves. Uh I don't think I listen. You know what? I don't think I listened to the end because a friend of mine, because uh, I didn't realize that that you you hated my show so much that it uh, spilled over into another episode. <laughs> um, I, I did not know. I did not know that I was capable of creating that kind of animosity. Uh, I'm on Leighton. Remember, I did religious, but Leighton had also listened to your podcast on Wally. So he mm-hmm. wanted to get all his research in as well. He wouldn't give yeah, that it's, up. It's more of a battle between Charlie and I to yeah. push each other out on their research. So yeah. <laughs> not oh, okay. really animosity towards you, just animosity towards one another's research. Yeah, he wouldn't surrender oh, his his listening to Wally. He had to comment on that. Exactly. I mean, that that must have been so torturous for you. <laughs> I mean, why would it? Uh, why would you ever? I'm I'm being very tongue in cheek. I'm not actually offended. I am a little bit, but not uh, not not tremendously so. Well, I'd yeah. Actually, like to get your wife on because I'm sure she would tongue lash us like nothing. Else. Uh, yeah, she might. Uh, that would be entertaining. Well, uh, we're, we're not we're not going to do that. I'll, I'll I'll nix that right now. You you should go back and listen to that second episode and then fire us off an angry email about it.
Uh, I don't know, man. Like, uh, you know what? As like you said, it's it's such a oh, it's such a brave thing that I came on here. But uh, man, like the last few days have just been so they've been literally exhausting for me. I tend to stress out over things, as I mentioned, and uh, and I actually did not go and listen to the Wally thing specifically because like oh man, I hadn't even heard that one before. Like I don't even <laughs> I, I don't I can't do this, you know. Um, because uh, because I am I, I do tend to be kind of sensitive to uh, negative criticism. So by all means, why wouldn't I put out two podcasts in, into the internet? Um, yeah, it's very ill-advised. Everything that I do is very ill-advised. But um, but yeah, so I I think I'll probably skip that one. Absolutely. You know what? Real quick. Yeah. The title of my show, More Than One Lesson, comes from a uh, a line from the film Citizen Kane, and it comes from the idea. And in which a character says you're going to need more than one lesson, you're going to get more than one lesson. And, of course, the idea being that uh, that films, regardless of what we may think, and certainly regardless of what Christians may think, there actually is more going on than what we thought. There is more than one lesson being taught here. Um, and so that's where the title comes from. I remember you guys uh, seemed a little... Uh, confused uh, confused last year yeah I love Citizen Kane I've watched it probably four or five times so I should have gotten that that's my bad well it's not it's it's not one of the more memorable quotes because it's not said by him it's said by his uh, political arch enemy um, but yeah Citizen Kane is it's it's my favorite movie which sounds really unoriginal to say like I got a lot of crap from it uh, for that in uh, film school where everybody was just so very hip but uh, man, oh man! At the very least, you know, if if your listeners get nothing else from this, hopefully they got some titles to some movies that they can go and see and enjoy. Yeah, right. Well, Citizen Kane is the obvious choice for the best yeah. movie of all time, and that's probably yeah. why a lot of the elitist film people don't like it because they don't want to be obvious. But it's a exactly. damn good movie. Yeah, it's it's really it's really wonderful, and yeah, there uh, there was a, a term that I had coined in in film school which was uh, hipper than hip which was there are the people who said this movie is obviously great maybe it's not the best movie of all time but there is no questioning that it's great and then there's the people that are like meh it's okay I guess it's like really is that is that who you're gonna be how Uh, miserable must that existence be the um, the influence of of Citizen Kane on just about everything that followed it it can't be overstated uh, oh, even he does I mean, it's so many firsts it, it, in that movie. Yeah, I mean, it was made at this point almost seventy years ago, and it's still kind of cutting edge in some of its photography. I mean, it does stuff that movies now still don't do. Um, yeah, it's, all uh, those makes... all those scenes where people pan from the outside and go inside—that was first oh, yeah. done in Citizen Kane. Gee, I, yeah. I can't even imagine what it'd be like sitting in a theater in the nineteen thirties or early forties, whenever it was out. Uh, that uh, and watching that and just thinking how how did that just happen? <laughs> how did we go from the outside through the window into the inside of this thing? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing that I mean we watch now and we're like, uh, you know what? We don't even think it's not a big deal. We don't even notice it. We don't right, even we think take about it for it granted. We're we're so used to it. Yeah, we don't even give it a name. Genius. But, uh, yeah, it's it's astounding. Anyway, did we bore you to death, Layton? Well, I was just waiting for you two to finish stroking each other <laughs> off before I said anything. Go ahead. You add some <laughs> wisdom, some pearls of wisdom to this? No, uh, throughout it, in my sleep-deprived mind, I was trying to think of that one movie with uh, 
the, the guy who goes to prison and he's innocent and he tunnels his way out with a little rock chip hammer. What what the hell was that one called? The Shawshank Redemption? That's the one. Okay. I think he's it. thinking of Top Gun. No, wait. Naked Gun. <laughs> no. The Naked Gun 3. And Top Secret. And Top, Top Secret. Where that old guy carved the uh, freeway tunnel out of prison. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Where uh, Val Kilmer tried to escape. Yes. Yeah. That, those are more of my choices <laughs> <laughs> hey there's there's nothing wrong with uh, loving top secret it's a re- it's probably one of the better uh spoof comedies yeah damn straight that's a, that's one of my favorite all right uh thanks again for coming on and uh yeah maybe we'll get back in touch with you and have you come on and we'll talk specifically about christianity next time absolutely and of course uh any uh, anybody who found this uh, conversation fascinating can go on over to morethanonelesson.com and uh, check out uh, check out my episodes as well as the blog that is only written occasionally. Fantastic. That was an obligatory pitch. Absolutely. Well, he's got to get paid for being on here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>